God, we just thank you. God, we thank you for the lives that have said yes to you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the stand of saying, I stand with you and there's no turning back and there's no going back and I wanted all these people here to see that. God, we celebrate with those people today. God, we come here and we worship you. Church, I, I had this word for this weekend and I felt like what God would, would have me share with you is there is this open invitation from him right now. There is this time to say, yes, God, we come and there's this spirit of worship in this place. There's this spirit that, that he wants to come and touch every person in this room. As I was praying, I felt like the Lord said, he has come today to set the captives free. He has come today to set you free sitting in this room. You who came just maybe to, to watch a baptism or came and it's your first time and God is inviting you in to touch him. That if you could just grab just the tip of his cloak, you would be healed. And that's for you today. God, we give you this time, Lord. Would you come and would you move in this church? Would you come and would you touch every person? God, would you really come and set the captives free today, Lord Jesus? We love you, God, and we give you this time, Lord. In your name, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Well, how are you all doing today? Good. What a great day to be at church, right? Wasn't that, some of you probably didn't even know it was going to be baptism weekend, but isn't that a powerful thing to get to come and be a part of? So thank you. Thank you for being willing to drive in the snow, bundling your kids up in a thousand layers, only for them to tell you they have to go to the bathroom, then for you to run back in your house, and you're late, right? I know that's why you're late to church. It's because your kids made you late. And if not, you can just blame it on kids, either way. But hey, we're so excited that you're here. Our goal at Jubilee is to have you feel a part of a community, and we hope you feel that way, that the second you walk into these doors, you feel at home, that you feel like you belong here in this place. We want to give as many opportunities for that, and one of those that we have is this Friday for the women of this church, we are doing an event. It's called the uh, Supper Club, and so obviously there will be food, right? That's the most important thing to have communities. You need to eat. And then we're going to be doing a Christmas project. If you are not good at crafts, that's okay. You can sit at my table and we can laugh at ourselves, but we want you to come. We want you to come and we want you to feel like you have a place here and that you have a people here. And maybe you're like, I have no one to go with. Come anyway. I think God wants to bring people into your life, and what better place to do that than at church with people who can encourage you in your faith and help run this race with you. So to sign up for that, it's this Friday. Go to jfc.org events. There is a limited spot, amount of spots, so if you do want to go, I would encourage you. I won't even judge. I won't even look if you pull out your phone right now because I know there's going to be a million things after church to do, but sign up today. Invite a friend with you. 
even if they don't go to the church, that's okay. Bring someone with you if it makes you more comfortable, but we want you there. We have at the church been doing something, I don't know if you noticed, a little different. We haven't been doing series necessarily, but as a teaching team, we have been coming um, on a weekly basis before service, the week of, and going, God, what do you have for this week? God, what do you want to talk on this week? What is relevant to your church this week, Lord? And we'll go anywhere that you want us to go, and we'll speak on anything that you want to speak on. And I don't know how you have felt about it, but I have gotten so much out of it just from hearing the last messages in the last couple months. Just my spirit feels so fed, and I hope you feel that way as well. And today, I was praying um, this week and asking God, "What, what do you want me to talk on. And I felt him say pain. Isn't that a fun thing to talk about? Thank you so much. And I said, actually, I'll find something else to speak on. And I went through my Bible and it was all of a sudden there were no words to my Bible. It was just the word pain over and over. I all of a sudden forgot everything else I ever knew about God. And all I could remember was what he wanted me to teach on pain. So I said, okay, I will be honoring to you, and I'll talk on this, because I think this is a relevant message for the people sitting in this room, for the people listening to this message. I think this is a very important message, and I think a lot of people who are listening are going through a time or a season of pain. Pain is one of those things that is universal, is it not? You've all been through a season of pain, a time of pain. From a very young age on, we go through this. It is something that connects us to one another. It is something that draws us and that gives us a similarity to the person sitting next to you. That if you were to ask them, they would instantly have a time when they've gone through pain. It's something that we all go through and something that the Bible even tells us and prepares us for that you will go through hard times. It will rain on the just and the unjust. And what do you do then when you are going through a time of pain? How do you get through it? I think all of us want to get through it and all of us want to be able to come out on the other side. But the the truth is pain will never leave you unchanged. Pain will never leave you the same person you were before you walked through that season or through that time. And either pain will draw you closer to God and to him and you will know him and never feel closer to him. Or pain will pull you from him. Pain will make you question, God, who are you really? God, are you really who you say you are? Because I can't seem to see that in the middle of the circumstances that I'm going through right now. And I would like today to share a little bit about my 2018. I want to be open and I want to be vulnerable because the Bible tells us we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And part of my testimony is a little bit difficult. But if it brings glory to his name, God, would you use it in any way you can? That should be our desire. That pain will be used. The title of this message is Don't Waste Your Pain. Don't waste your pain. And I want to share myself as an example of how not to waste your pain and and how you go through it and how you lean into him instead of pull away from him. 
So 2018 has been a really difficult year for JJ, my husband, and myself. We um, started, we got married January 1st, 2013. So almost, we're now coming up on six years. But at the beginning of this year, on January 1st, um, we found ourselves in the hospital with JJ having pneumonia. Isn't that a fun way to celebrate your anniversary? What romance that was. And the sad thing is, I'm so sorry to my dear husband because I told him the night before, I think you're fine and you're being a little dramatic here. I know, I'm an awesome wife. Can you tell I have a lot of sympathy for things? I take care of other kids. I don't need another one to take care of. And then he, sure enough, has pneumonia. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm glad you decided to go to the doctor because I would have said, just get over it. But he had pneumonia. So we spent most of January. um, If you've had pneumonia or you know someone who has had pneumonia, it is a long recovery. And it's not just you're over it the next day. It takes quite a while, even for a young person at 31 who has pneumonia. So we spent January going through that, and then in February, we were driving in my car, and a deer runs out and hits us, and we were going pretty fast, and isn't that lovely? And you think, okay, like not a big deal, but you get hit by a deer and have glass all over your children, you can come talk to me after, but it was just, it was not good, and it was, it, it was these things, one thing after another, and then March came around, and my dear... Um, aunt who I loved and was very close to passed away this year from cancer and so spent much of March um, dealing with that and having to struggle through the pain of that and the brokenness of that and then in my own in our family in my leech family there were changes that were going on and things that were happening that were painful and and hard to walk through and and then in May JJ and I all, all along this had decided at the beginning of this year hey let's move why not just add more chaos to our life and let's not just move let's build a house and if you have built a house you know the pain in it right there is great agony in them telling you oh it's like 5 to 6 months that turn into 9 months and then you're living with your grandparents that whole time. That was, you know, fun, very gracious and I love them, but do you not need your own house, right? You need your own place in your own space. And so going through that, so in May we decided, hey, let's go on vacation. And while we were on vacation, the day we woke up to fly our little boys to Disneyland for Ezra's birthday, they both get sick. I kid you not. Like the day of and just really sick. So we spent the whole day at Disneyland and Ezra's like, awesome. And I'm like, enjoy this. I spent money on you. And so we had that. So that was not relaxing. And then comes the summer and all the changes that the church begin to happen. And that's great, right? And there were great things that came with that. And, and Shine Church was, came out of that. And that's incredible for them. But they took our best friends with them. That was a really hard pain to endure. Um, If you, the older you get, isn't it harder to make really close friends? Isn't it hard to find those connections that are deep and satisfying? And one of those was that. And we saw them every day. So it was very hard to lose them. And with that, then JJ and I were asked to step in higher places of responsibility, which is incredible. And we're so grateful for that, but with more responsibility, right? 
comes more growing pains. And, and God's been stretching us in leadership positions and how to work through those things and how to deal through those things. And then in July, um, we took Milo to the doctor for a checkup and we find out our youngest that he is having a weight gain issue and that he's not gaining weight. In fact, he started losing weight. And as a parent, isn't that the worst kind of pain? trying to worry about your child, going, are you going to be okay? And them telling you, we might have to start running tests on your son and, and just the pain and the worry that came with it. And if it would have been an isolated situation, I think I probably could have handled it better. But it was one thing after the another. It was like, okay, like, is it finally going to stop? Are we finally going to be able to rest? And then another thing would happen, and we were feeding him. We're very healthy, and I was like, Milo, you eat anything you want. You want ice cream all day long? Let's give you ice cream. And just shoving food in his mouth, like literally shoving food in his mouth. Unfortunately, he is okay, and God has been so good to us through that but there has been all these different struggles, and, and we lost a friend of the family this year. I've been to four funerals just this year alone. In fact, just this past week, JJ's grandmother passed away, and we had the funeral here on Friday. So even this week, up to this week, we have been growing, and God has, I just, we've been going through this season of pain, and this season of heartache in this year, and um, earlier, a couple months back, I found out that I was pregnant. And it was like this one little thread that I was holding on to, like this one little glimmer of hope of going, okay, God, God, I know that you are good. And this is, this is it. This is my just little, I just have this one thing. I'll hold on to this one thing in the middle of everything else. I will celebrate this small little thing. And early in my pregnancy, I miscarried. And you can sit here and you can say, well, that's really not that big of a deal. But pain is so relative to who you are and what you're going through. And maybe that wouldn't cause you great pain, but it caused me a pain like I've never experienced before. It was like I had literally lost one of my children. It was this morning of something that I would never get to know here on earth, and it was awful, and there was so much pain in the middle of it. But in this season and in what I've been going through, God has never taught me so much. It's like I've been on this fast track, and it's like he's given me this grace to continue to push on to him. I think often what pain does is it reveals things in our heart we don't necessarily know are there. It is so, so easy to believe in God's goodness and to believe that he loves you and to believe those things when it's really good, right? But when it's hard, and not just hard for a day, not just hard for a little bit, but for a long time. When it's hard and you know my situation's not going to change, my situation, I will never have that child back. I know that. And yet, if you can even in that season look to God and keep your eyes on him and know, God, you are good, it reveals a place of where you're at. It shows things that maybe necessarily you weren't even aware of what you thought about God, good or bad. And this message isn't a um, condemning message. Please hear my heart in this. Because I believe there's so much grace. 
and so much mercy and so much compassion if you are going through a season of pain. But I'd like to talk about, because I believe God wants to use your pain. I don't believe that he wants you to go through pain. I don't think that, that his intention and, and his, his desire for your life is for you to be in pain at all times. But what I do believe is that God wants to use your pain. I do believe that God has a greater purpose and that what the enemy intended for evil in your life, God will use for good if you allow him to do it. He always works things for his greater good. And how do we do that then? How do we not waste our pain then? And the first thing is this, is you are to pray in the pain. And that sounds so simple and that sounds so easy when it's good. It's easy to pray to God. Thank you so much for everything you've given me. Thank you for blessing me and thank you for loving me. Thank you for everything that you've given me. But have you been in that place where you're in so much pain and so much agony is as if you don't even have words to speak to him? It almost feels that it's too painful to come to him. It's too hard to bring ourselves to him because there's, maybe there's anger in you or frustration or disappointment and we think, God, you can't handle this. But can I just tell you, God can handle your anger, and God can handle your emotions, and God can handle even your hardest questions. It does not change his affection for you. It does not switch how he feels about you, but that when we are in pain, if we come to him, it's all that he desires. To come and to bring our prayers, whether they are the the angriest prayers you've ever prayed. He still wants those prayers. He still wants you. I think pain a lot of times causes believers to question God's goodness, right? Our mind is always in opposition with our spirit, and our mind sees what's ahead of us and looks and goes, logically this doesn't make sense that God would be good. Why would a loving God allow this to happen? And we see that believers, I think there are two camps and two parties that we have. And it's often we see God is either good, but he's not all powerful. That God, you are good, but you're not in control of everything. But if that's the case, I worry for us then. God is in control of all things and has dominion over all things. And just because hardships happen, though, that doesn't mean he isn't good. Because then the other side of it is people believe, God, you're all powerful, but you're not all good. But church, God is all good and God is all powerful. And it is at the exact same time that he is those things. And if you can't bring yourself into that quiet place and into that secret place with him for him to reveal it to you personally, these are then just words that I'm speaking to you. In Psalm 13, David, this man, right, this man after God's heart, this man who loves the Lord with all that he has, this man who was anointed at a young age because of his pure heart for the Lord is going through this painful season. I mean, half of what he writes in Psalms is about this. God, where are you and why have you forsaken me? How long will you let my enemy trample upon me? He has these questions as we do. 
And I think this Psalm 13, if I, now I obviously was not there and can't say this for sure, but I think this was written in that 10-year period where David is on the run. And if we remember, David is anointed king. And then he goes and he works under Saul willingly and lovingly. This isn't, all right, I'm going to make you look bad so I can look good. David fully submits himself to this king Saul. Saul, Saul, here is, Saul has slain a thousand, but David has slain ten thousand. And Saul begins to get very jealous. He begins to feel threatened by David, and he decides, I am going to kill this man. I'm going to cut it off now. I will be bigger than God. Isn't that interesting how we think those things sometimes? Well, I can stop God's plan. I can stop the thing that we think we're in control of certain things, but we're not. And it's so true with Saul and David. And so David goes on the run. And he flees. He flees his home and his family and his friends, his best friend Jonathan. He has to leave him and he leaves everything that he knows. Every comfort that he had up until this point. The place of leadership that he had. He leaves it all. And he has to go on the run. And he has to probably think, okay, God, I know that you are anointing me as king. I know that this is my cause. So what, a couple days? Right? I think we, let, we think like this. Our pain, God, well, I already have gone through pain, so maybe there doesn't need to be any more pain. I have felt this way so many times this year. All right, I've hit my max threshold of pain, God, no more. And yet, I have still had to walk through things, and I have still had to continue to go through things, and God has still been good to me, even in my hardest time. Even though I've had to deal through things because I live in a fallen world. I live in a place that's not perfect. And because of that, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. We are not spared because we love God. We have to walk through hard things as well. And David says this, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? Have you prayed this? Have you felt this? Because what David does, and the thing that we need to understand is we need to bring this to him. If you want an answer to your question, how can you ever get it answered if you're not willing to ask the question? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? This man sounds depressed. This man sounds like he has been struggling for a long time. That he has forgotten what it feels like to know joy and to know happiness. That he has forgotten what it feels like to truly laugh. And when you are going through through seasons of pain, it is often so hard to remember that. What it feels like. What it tastes like. What it... What it sounds like, it is hard to remember those things. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Oh God, would you turn and answer me? Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. After I had the miscarriage, we we had to go to the hospital for it. And then I remember going home. 
And I remember looking in the mirror and looking at my eyes and just thinking, I have no life in them. I have nothing in me. I have nothing left to lose, God. I feel as if everything has been taken from me. And if I'm really honest, I began to say these things. God, how could you let this happen to me? How could you do this? Haven't I endured enough? Haven't I gone through enough? Why this now? We've already told people about this. We've already celebrated because not only has this been a hard year for us, God, but for those who we deeply love, it's been a hard year. And this was supposed to be the hope in the middle of all of it. Why now? And it's okay to pray those things. It's okay to go with God, go to God with your greatest disappointments, with your greatest questions, with your frustrations. It's okay to go with your emotions. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But then, church, here's what David does he comes to God with all his emotions, with everything he's feeling. And he probably walks away. We read this as if it's one conversation that he has, as if it's one thing, like over an hour that he wrote out. But I would like to think he probably spent some time writing this and feeling this. He had to get it all out and pour his heart out, and he probably walked away for a moment. But then he comes back, and there's a but. And our prayers always need to be answered and followed up by us with a but. Come to him, pour yourself out, say how you're feeling and what you're going through, but your prayer should be followed with a but. But I trust in your unfailing love. Though I do not feel it, though my circumstance does not show it, God, what the truth is, is that your love is unfailing for me. My emotions are not, sometimes there's facts to it and sometimes they're real, but oftentimes, I would say more than not, my emotions are in opposition to the truth of what I know God is. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Isn't it interesting he uses past tense as if it's already happened? That but should be, but God, I know you've already rescued me. You've already fought this war. You've already won this. You've already rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Remind yourself. David isn't doing this for God. God knows he's good. David is doing this as a reminder to himself. God, here's where I'm at and here's what I'm feeling. But I know that you are good. But I know that you will rescue me. But I know, God, that the truth is you will never forsake me. Your prayer has to be followed with the truth as a reminder to you of who God is in your life. The second thing of how not to waste your pain is you need to have people in the pain. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach and help. But if someone who falls, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You are meant to live life with other people. 
And not just to share your, your um, rejoicing with, but to share your hardships with. And a lot of people, I think a lot of mature Christians use this as an excuse. Well, God is enough for me and God will sustain me. And yes, I believe that's true. I believe God is enough for you and God will carry you. But if you look to God's original plan, back before the fall of man, back before sin entered the world, there's this heaven that's created and this earth that's created and the stars, and the planets, and, and the water, and the animals, and then God creates man. And, and man is in perfect communion with God at this point. Man and God are in relationship. They walked in the cool of the day together. There was nothing separating them at this point, right? And what does God tell Adam? It's not good for you to be it's not good for you to be alone. But if we use that excuse, well, wasn't he, he wasn't alone, right? Wasn't God with him? Well, here on earth, God created you to have relationship with people. He designed us for fellowship. He designed us for relationship. I was even thinking about it yesterday. I think he, even in heaven, are there not saints in heaven that we will see and that we will rejoice with and we will have full communion and full um, relationship with Jesus himself, but also with others who have gone before us. God has designed you for relationship. And what the enemy, if you've ever thought about it, why do you think the enemy wants you to go through pain? I mean, what's his purpose in it? I think there's a few reasons, but I think one of the main reasons God wants you to go, or not, I'm sorry, why the enemy would want you to go through pain is to isolate you from other people. Pain is this interesting thing that causes you to feel humiliated, causes you to feel rejected, embarrassed, shamed, humbled, and what you want to do when you've been injured or wounded is retreat away. You want to hide yourself. You want to lick your wounds. But it is not good for you to be alone because in isolation, your feelings do become your facts. They become your truth. When you're alone and you don't have someone there to lift you up, to pull you along, to remind you who you really truly are, you begin to go, this is my life. This is my identity. This is who I really am. It's never going to get better. I'm never going to feel any different than what I feel right now. God, you really don't love me, do you? My sin put me here, and God, you'll never, ever get me out of this place. But what a friend does is they come and they grab your hand. They look you in the eyes and they remind you, you will get through this. Your today is not your tomorrow. And your eternity is most certainly not your life here. Hold on to the promises. A true friend, even if it's a hard word, gives you the truth when you need to hear it most. When you are beginning to think in wrong ways, a true friend goes, no, no, no. I love you too much and I care for you too greatly to allow you to believe these thoughts. 
You will not be this person. This is not your identity. After I miscarried, I really didn't want to talk. talk. Have, have you been through the pain that's just so brutal that it's just, you don't even have words to what you're going through? So I, I feel that, felt that way. It was, it was hard to talk to anybody. It was hard to, to communicate. I just didn't, I just couldn't. Like, I just, I couldn't do it. And my sister knew that. And my sister is a true friend and would text me and remind me, you will not always feel this way. You will get through this. And she validated the pain, too. I'm so sorry that you're in pain. Of course you would be in pain. Because the worst thing you could tell someone in pain is, well, it's not that big of a deal. Just get over it, right? Have you been told that? It's awful. You're still struggling with that? Wow, I would have thought you'd be over it by now. Pain is relative to the person. And emotions are okay to feel. No emotion is bad. And a true friend recognizes that, that you can feel emotions and separate those from the truth as well. My sister would bring me things to distract me and just love me. Honestly, she just loved me. Even though she has six kids and is so busy and is running around and working a full-time job, or when people really close to me would say, I'm pregnant and not know that I had miscarried. And, and the due date would be the same week as my baby should have been. She'd grab my hand if she was standing next to me, and it was this quiet, I'm with you. I'm hearing this with you. I haven't forgotten your pain. It's what a true friend does, and you need that when you're going through pain. Hear me say that. You need that when you're going through pain. Don't go through pain alone. The third thing is this. God has called us to have peace in the pain, and this is a choice. It's a choice to choose his peace. John 16, 33 says this, I, this is Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. Church, you can rest assured that he has overcome your pain. That he has overcome all things and that we are to take heart and grab hold of that truth when we are struggling. When I was at the hospital and everyone, you know, is trying to be hopeful And I think at that point, God had already prepared me. Like, I knew. I knew. I just needed the confirmation from the doctor. I know I'm miscarrying this baby. I know. I know that. And we were driving over, and and my only prayer to God was this. God, I cannot get through this today without your peace. All I ask, God, all I ask is that you would give me your peace. And so the doctor comes in and the doctor tells me, yes, it's a miscarriage and isn't very eloquent about it. And is like, well, it's just part of life, just nature. This happens all the time. Which isn't great to hear when it's your baby, when it's a person to you, when you've already connected and you've already attached dreams to this child. I know there are people who are sitting in this room who've had this happen. You've already given this child a life and a name and a purpose and a place. 
and it's ripped from you. And so I'm sitting in this room, and my mom, who loves me and is so good to me and sat with me that whole night, and my sister and my incredible husband, and they're all looking at me. Because I know they're all in pain, and I know this is sad for them too, especially JJ. And they're all trying to hold it together for me. And I just feel this peace of God. Like, I, I just choose in the moment to go, God, this it sucks. This is the worst thing that's happened. But God, I know you are still good. That's all I could think to say to him. God, I know that you are still good. I know that you are. I know that it's going to be okay, even though this hurts like I've never felt before. God, I know, because up until this point in my life, I've had a pretty easy life. And I wouldn't wish this year, and I wouldn't want to repeat this year ever again. But I can know that I know what I really think about God. And, and as I was walking out of the hospital, J.J. went in to get the car, and I'm standing there all by myself, and God gave me this really amazing definition of peace. And I want to share it with you. It's this. Peace is trusting. It's a trust that Jesus has overcome every pain you're facing, every trial you're going through, every hurt you feel, and every sorrow you have. And church, he even took it a step further. He conquered death itself, and in him there is victory. So yes, my circumstance will never change, and yes, I will never have that baby back, but the Lord spoke to me so clearly that night that this is, this is a place that you have surrendered all that you have when you have nothing left to give, and I will use this to be a testimony in your life. I will use this for good. I will use this, though I never intended this. I will use this for glory. I will use this. If you will allow me. And I said, yes, God, use me in whatever way. Let me share what I have gone through so that maybe if you're sitting in this room going through pain and feeling like you can't get through it, that you can know God has good things for you on the other side of this. And then the last thing, how not to waste your pain. And I think this is the hardest one, is to praise him in the pain. How do you have Thanksgiving for a season that's so hard? How do you lift your arms to God and say thank you when you feel like you've lost? How do you, how do, you do that? How do you reconcile those two things when you're so weary? It would be hard to come into church and go, now I have to worship and praise you, God? After all I've gone through, I don't know how to do that. But David, right, this man who prays and pours out his heart to God of telling him, you have forsaken me and you have left me and, and you have done these things. We find his words chapters later in Psalms in 40, 1 through 3. David says this. I know that he's gone through real pain because of what he says. And how he says it. You can see the anguish and what he's saying. But he says this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. You want to know how long you should wait for God? 
till he turns to you and hears your cry. How long did David have to wait for him to turn to him and hear his cry? We put time limits on God and we put expectations on God. Well, God, if you don't answer me by today or by tonight or by tomorrow, well, then you are not for me. But our instruction is you should wait patiently on the Lord until he turns and hears your cry. Because the truth in it is God will always hear you and turn to you. And maybe it's not in the way you wanted. Maybe he doesn't rescue you in the way you thought he should rescue you or heal you or heal the situation in the way you wanted him to do it. But do you know what God does? It's this. He lifts me out of the pit of despair. That pit of, I'll never get through this. I'll never get out of this. I will never survive this. And along comes his hand, and you can see it. And sometimes it's the only thing you can see of his, is this hand, this bright and brilliant hand grabbing you and lifting you up. He lifts you out of the mud and the mire. And what then? It's not, God never just, like, rescues you. He redeems you. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. And then this church, he has given me, he gives it to you. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. When you have nothing left to give, when you have fought the good fight, all you are to do is to surrender to him and begin to praise him. The enemy cannot stand in his presence. The enemy cannot stand as you begin to worship your God. As you begin to sing out, even if you don't feel it. Sometimes you don't feel it, but the words that you say still have power in them. And, and we think this is for ourselves, right? Well, I worship you for me and for my benefit. But here's the interesting, that da- the interesting thing that David then goes on to say. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. God maybe didn't plan your pain, but God will certainly use your pain if you allow him to. If you turn your eyes and you turn your gaze to him and you look up to him, those who do not know him will say, how? How can you walk through something so excruciating and yet still have joy in your heart? Because my eyes are on the king. My eyes are on the one victory that I have, and it is enough for me. The day after um, I miscarried, JJ actually had to come to church. It happened on a Saturday night, and JJ's like, should I go? And I said, yes. What other place will you go? What other place is there to be except in his presence and leading people in that? This is what you're called to do, and we won't stop, and we won't let the enemy knock us down so long. And he texted me that morning, and he sent me, hey, here's worship songs that have touched me and that have spoken to me, and and I think they'll help you too. And one of them was called Even When It Hurts by Hillsong. And I listened, I hadn't heard it, and so I was listening to it, and there's one part of it that says, even when it hurts like hell, I'll praise you still. Those words had never rang truer in my heart, and I just bawled. And I did it in front of my two children so that they could see 
This is what you do when you're in your hardest moments. Even when it hurts like hell, is that okay to say? Because if you've been in real pain, it really hurts like hell. There's no other description for it. But even when it hurts God like hell, I will praise you still. I will praise you still. Because the final part of this is they will put their trust in the Lord, those who see what you are doing. So as we come to the end of this message and the worship team is going to come back up, I again say don't waste your pain. You can't change your circumstance, church. You can't make your pain just disappear. I couldn't control my miscarriage or the losses we faced this year, but I can decide I'm not going to waste the pain I'm going through. Pain will never leave you the same. And so my question for you today is, what does God want to do with your pain? Have you ever asked yourself that? God, what can you use my pain for? Because the worst thing, I think, in my opinion, that would happen is I would go through pain and it would be all for naught. God, what do you want to use my pain for? What, what glory can I bring to your name with my pain that I'm going through right now? We're going to sing this song called Defender. And I asked the worship team to do this, and they kindly obliged me. And this song is just about complete surrender to him. That he is our defender and that he goes, the, the beginning says, you go before I know to take the head of my enemy. And you know what he does? He calls it my victory. And the bridge says, praise will be my breakthrough. You want breakthrough in your life today? Begin to praise him. It's this moment of breakthrough like you've never experienced before. The song will become your triumph. And your worship Church is your warfare. It's the only way we have to fight the enemy when we come and we worship him. It's this renewing in our heart and in our spirit of who he is. So would you pray with me? God, I just feel you here that sweet presence. I think there are people in this room who feel um, like God's mad at you. He's mad at how you've responded through your pain. He's mad that you, maybe you feel like, I did this wrong. I didn't, I didn't do this. I wasted my pain, God. I've wasted it. And the word he wants to speak over you is this. I love you. You know, when my children are going through hard times and they act out and they're having a horrible day and I know it's because they're tired and because they've gone through something hard or they're, they're struggling with something and they're acting out because of it. My response isn't, I'm going to punish you for this. My response is to go and to grab my little boys and to whisper in their ear, it's going to be okay. 
And we are going to get through this together. You and me are going to get through this and you will be okay. And you know what, church? That's what God is telling you today. I love you. And hear my words, you are going to be okay. Today is not your tomorrow. If you're going through a hard time, would you raise your hand? Because I feel like God has a word for you and I want to pray for you. Be bold to raise your hand. Yeah, all over this room. All over. I see you. And God sees you. Thank you. Half this room is going through something. You know, the Bible says we are always sorrowing, yet always rejoicing, because there's always people rejoicing, church, and there's always people sorrowing. So to those who are sorrowing today, would you feel his presence? That praise would be your breakthrough today, that as we go into this song, that you would raise your hands in complete abandonment to everything else that's surrounding you and worship him. He is your victory, and he has overcome what you are going through. Today is not your tomorrow, church. You who are sitting here and feel as if there is no hope that why should I carry on another day? I know there's someone sitting in this room having those thoughts. Maybe today should be my last day. I can't handle this anymore. Would God turn to you and hear you today? Wait for him. Don't give up. Wait for him until he hears your prayer, until he answers you. You wait as long as it takes. But in the meantime, would his peace wash over you? Thank you, Jesus. And I love you. We give you this time. We close in a moment of prayer. May there be no distraction, nothing that is more important than right now, right now, Do you know how much power there is when we all come together with one voice to sing to him? He can't not come and meet you when a whole church comes and worships him. Would you come and meet with each person individually and as a whole, Jesus? In your name, amen.